tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to Hello everybody, welcome back to the Campbell's Footballs Podcast. I am of course Dr Grant Campbell uh, and I'm joined for this episode by a young man who's having uh, a really good time with things at Ballymena Football Club in Northern Ireland. I am joined by their midfield maestro Josh Kelly. Josh, a warm welcome to the show. Thanks very much, thanks for having me on Grant. How have you found the last 18 months or so with playing in and around this Covid pandemic Josh? It's been a, a very difficult and very weird time you could maybe say for a range of people yeah yeah it's definitely been it's been strange for a range of people as you say you know strange for the players because there's no fans in the in the ground um strange for the fans because they can't go every saturday and watch watch their team play um but it's just you know it was out of our everyone's control you know everyone's well used to it now 18 months in and we're hopefully you know on the way out of it um you know over in here in Northern Ireland, actually, it was just just announced there the other day that the cap on 500 spectators was removed. So mm-hmm. hopefully that's still in place for the start of next season, and it, it'll be basically back to normal. But you know, it was it was tough getting used to no fans, but um, thankfully we're we're coming out of that now. For a club like Ballymena, I've watched the league quite a lot over there, and one of the things I really get from following Ballymena is the fans really get on on top and very so much support of the, the home team. Did that was that a big miss for you guys for much of last season, do you think, at home? Yeah, it was actually the first season I signed, we were in Europe and uh, I remember I think the first competitive game that I was involved in was we played Runovic in the first round of the um, I think it was the Europa League qualifier mm-hmm. and both stands at Ballymena were sold out. Um, and you know, obviously, it's not like that every week um, because, but that was a big game. But you know, as you said, people do from Ballymena are passionate, you know, very patriotic about their their town and their their team and stuff. So it's been a massive miss for everyone. Um, but as I said previously, hopefully. Um, the back end sooner rather than later. Let's have a quick review of last season because I, I thought that the start of last season was very, um, you know, an interesting period of time. You know, Balamina finished eighth last season. How, you know, what, what was your assessment on the season? Was it a good season? Maybe a disappointing season? How, how would you define it? Um, overall, I would probably say it was a disappointing season, but at the same time, there was. There was good parts of it, um, you know, with a difficult start. It sort of was, so it was broken down into about three or four parts our season. With a difficult start, we're on a bad run of maybe four defeats after a big Korean the first day. Um, and then I think we went on a 11-game unbeaten run after the four-game defeat. And then we went another run of defeats and then another run of wins after that. So it was... Although we found consistency over the 12 games and I think it was 8 games on beating runs, it was more trying to stop the rut of, you know, 5-6 defeats in, in a bounce, you know, if we had to maybe turn them defeats into maybe a draw, the win here and there, you know, it could have been a lot different because I think at the time, whenever in March, whenever the, the season split, we were only about four points off Crusaders, who finished sixth, mm-hmm. which would have got us like, top six and a chance to, you know, um, play in the European playoffs. So you know, you, all you're looking at is for a turnaround of four points over 33 games. You know, it wasn't a million miles off, but ultimately, 
you know that's that's the the thin margin that that football is, and um, you know it's all ifs and buts, but. At the same time, if if you could overturn that four point margin, you know we would have been in the top six. But overall, I would have said it was disappointing because our aim was to finish in the top six. But hopefully, we can we can change that for the upcoming season. Is that a frustration? The fact that you know you had periods in your campaign where you had a string of really good results and then a string of not so good results. That lack of consistency, you you kind of evoke that there. Was that? Ultimately, what cost you guys a place in the top six, or certainly battling for Europe? Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it was. I think coming out of the um, coming out of that game, or the twelve game on beaten run, or the eleven or twelve game on beaten run, we I think we got beat. We got beat one game, and I think we lost about three players, three or four players, and you know that coupled with you know your first defeat in twelve, it was a bit of a blow. And it's trying to pick yourself up again. Obviously, last season was unprecedented in terms of the amount of um, time between games. You know, it was Saturday, Tuesday most weeks. So, um, uh, having having that uh, many people injured and stuff, it, it sort of it was hard to get out of the rut. You know, whenever you did have maybe one or two defeats in a row, and then that spiraled into you know five to six defeats in a row, and it's sort of you know you sort of need to take a bit of a uh, a bit of a check after maybe your second defeat, you know, in hindsight and look back and say, right, next game just don't get beat and try and break the cycle mm-hmm. almost of, of defeats but yeah, that inconsistency was it was disappointing Yeah. Um, in the middle of that season but, you know, it's something hopefully uh, we can put right and, you know it's, it's another experience and um, you'll only be better for it. It was a really intriguing season for, for Balomina at times last season because you guys won at Cliftonville, you won at Coleraine on the opening day of the season, you won at Glentoran, um, you pushed Balomina all the way in a number of games, including winning the game at the showgrounds. Does that frustrate you that now and again, Balomina are very competitive, they can beat the top teams on any given day, but at times it's just, going back to that word consistency, it just can't put a string of results together? Yeah, I think actually it's something that as the players last season and the coaching staff we actually alluded to quite a bit. Um, you know, we went to um, all the toughest places uh, in Northern Ireland and managed to beat the top teams. I even forgot Lauren winning at Lauren as well. You know, that was a big win. Yeah, yeah, won at Lauren and you know beat Linfield at home two one and you know, but like it's. Although it's, it's not really a surprise, you know, to us because you you do go out to win every game. Like there's there's no real um, there's, there's no real you know um, magic secret about it. Um, you do try and win every game, but um, it's the disappointing results. You know, the likes of with two draws in a row against one point. Um, it's no disrespect to the the lower clubs either, but um, like Dungannon beat us one now. You know, it's it's things like that. You know. Turning them, as I said earlier, turning them maybe draws into wins or defeats into draws. That's that's what you have to look to try and do, um, and ultimately cost us um, in the league table. Talk to me about that opening game of the season at Coleraine because your season didn't get off to the best of starts, did it? <laughs> no, it definitely didn't. Um, but it still wasn't a red card. It wasn't a red card. I agree. <laughs> but, um, it was on TV and everything. I remember watching it and thought, that's a harsh sending off when I watched it live. Yeah, I know. I'm still not really over it. <laughs> no, uh, Sorry to bring it up, but I thought uh, I had to ask. 
Because obviously, when you get sent off in, in your opinion very harshly in a game like that, you, you kind of feel like, oh, I hope that situation doesn't come back to, to cost my team. And thankfully, mm-hmm. Balomina managed to win the game. Kofi Balmer, of course, has now moved to Lawrence, scoring the, the only goal of the game. It was actually the, the very first goal of the new season as well. Yeah, yeah, no. I've only been sent off once <laughs> in my career, or uh, one other time, should I say, in my career. And. It was. It's not a nice feeling at all. You know, it's a bit of a gut wrenching feeling actually. You know, sitting in the change room in your own, hearing the match going on outside and thinking, you know, we're one 0 up. Please don't let the fact that I got a red card be the, the turning point and maybe Coleraine getting back into it. But thankfully that didn't happen. The only bad thing was I missed three games after it. But you know. It's, part and parcel of football isn't it really so one of the things that I really enjoy seeing from Balomina is that dynamics across the team you have that experience in at the back you have you know the midfield situation which of course yourself is very much involved with talk to me about what that relationship is like across that Balomina team yeah the team was, it was it's been brilliant since I came in actually really you know it's, it's a privilege to play to have played with players like you know Tony Kane Jim Irvin you know experience pros, you know, three, four hundred odd games in the Irish League um, and and all the experience that comes with that and then at the same time, you know, the likes of Trey Hume and Ben Wiley and all the young boys, the teenagers, um, that bring, you know, the energy and, you know, the quality of football that they have. So it was a, it, it was a good mix and um, it was a great team, you know, obviously uh, the team sort of split up now because there's been quite a few players that have left but you know it was it was a great it was a great change room to be involved in last year and you know that's what David's always tried to build I, I would say he's always a good change room with good people and stuff so. yeah, you, you mentioned Jim Irvin there were you surprised to see him leave Balomina and, and obviously join up at Carrick with, with Stuart King yeah no um, obviously you knew you know you know the situation that players are coming to the end of their contracts and you know it's between them and, and the club mm-hmm. um, how to negotiate or whether they want to continue and that's for both parties not just you know the manager wanting to keep the players whether the player wants to stay or not so you know obviously I'm not privy to the conversation with Jim and, mm-hmm. and Balmain but I'm sure um, I think it's read something that he was offered a coaching role and maybe Jim just thought that he wants to you know he's he proved last season that he's still got um, more than enough quality and absolutely and fitness to play. So maybe he just thought he wants wants to play, and obviously he played with Stuart King at Linfield and stuff. So maybe he thought that was a good move for him, and you know I wish him the best of luck because um, he's going to be a great signing for Carrick, and uh, hopefully he can go on and do well there. So. Apart from when they play you guys, <laughs> apart from when they, they, they 
the two or three times the playoffs. Yeah. One player that's really excited me in the in the Ballymena team last season was Shane McCartan, who came to the club. You've obviously played alongside him. What did he bring to Ballymena to make them really exciting to watch? Because I really, really enjoyed watching him play last season. Yeah, I think any, anyone you talk to asks you about Shane McCartan, what's he like to train with and play with? But it's just, to be honest, it's just you know exactly the way he was whenever you're watching him play um, in the games. It's he brings that quality to training. You know, uh, obviously it's not disrespecting the Irish league. It's always the Irish league's always it's improving year on year. But obviously being playing in League One. Um, over in England and stuff, trained full time for however long he was over there, nine years I think he was at various clubs. You can see the different, you know, just the quality he has, you know, technically. Uh, head and shoulders above most players, I would say, in the Irish League. Um, you know, he's he's one of them players who often actually joke about it that he's almost quicker with the ball than he is sprint without it. And um, any time you give him, you know. He glides past players and and he brings that quality and you know it's to be honest it's he's the best player I've ever played with and it's it makes it sometimes it makes me think how good is the players in the Premier League be yeah. <laughs> if that's good he is you know yeah. that type of that type of way but no it's just brilliant to play with him to be honest uh, were you surprised that someone like Balomina kept him at the club because I was sure that he would have got full term offers from maybe Linfield for example or other clubs you know. But it's a real coup for Balamina to, to get Shane for another season anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone's been saying that. Um, but knowing Shay, I think the reason he came home was to um, to work full-time and just play football part-time. Um, so I think he's he's obviously happy enough that because he signed a two-year contract. And I'm sure that he did have phone calls with the various top clubs who were obviously full time and it just obviously didn't suit him so he was um, I think he said in his interview when he signed the contract that he was happy enough here in uh, Balmina so he didn't see no reason not to sign a two year contract so no it is as you say it's a massive coup for Balmina and um, whenever you're playing or bringing players like that not just the Balmina but the Irish League and in general you know it can only make for a better viewing for the you know, the spectators. Explain to me your personal dynamics in this Balamina team. Do you see yourself more as a number eight or do you see yourself more as kind of getting up there to support the, the strikers? You know, it seems to be that you have a very versatile role in that Balamina team. Yeah, sometimes. I think the majority of last season I sort of played as more of a, you know, a six, uh, a bit of a sitter uh, in a midfield three. Um, I sort of let Shea plays in the ten role and Leroy, you know, is more of a box to box. But it 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 can't change, as you say. You know, um, I would see myself as probably a bit of an eight, you know, box to box like Leroy. But at the same time, you can't, you know, you have to have a bit of discipline in there. And you know, it's it's a basic rule of football that you can't empty the midfield and and stuff like that. So yeah, just just the way it worked. You know, we complemented each other quite well. The fact that Leroy likes to you know, get up and support and, and bomb on beyond the strikers and make runs and I I can you know sort of do the sitting role mm-hmm. and uh, you know sort of break up play type type of thing so you know it, it doesn't really bother me it, um, whatever 
job that I'm asked to do or whatever role that I'm asked to play in there, you know, it's, I, can, I feel confident enough to do, do, do either. As long as you're playing well yeah. and contributing to a team, that's all it yeah, is, yeah. isn't it? As, yeah. as long as I'm on the pitch, to be honest. It yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned earlier on about some of the younger guys coming into the team, like Trey Hume and, and, and Ben Wiley. Do you see them aspiring to, to move up the ladder very quickly? Because they're very much involved in the Northern Ireland setup, and they've been really impressive, haven't they? Yeah, two two very good players, you know. Um, I think Trey signed a three-year deal last year with Linfield before he came on loan was, and you know it's a great bit of business for them, and I think he proved that um, this season because his performances were brilliant. I think he won two or three, or maybe two young player of the years with the Balmain Supporters Clubs, and it was well like very worth, um, very worthy of them awards, uh, and I think. You know the fact that he can play a couple of positions too will always help him. Um, you know he's a great player, great attitude, and uh, uh, to be fair, would would not be surprised if if he manages to get across the water. Mm-hmm. And then Ben Wiley, obviously at Celtic at the minute, um, he's you know he's another. You can see he's a bit like Shea, obviously, obviously hasn't been along over across the water as long, but you know just in terms of technique, you can see that training that full time um, you know it progresses your technique more than it would you know just training twice two or three times a week so you can see him hopefully he can kick on too because he is on their, both their sides so yeah. it would be good to see him do yeah. that yeah, no, absolutely. It's very exciting time, I think, for Balamina because you were obviously talking about that mix between youth and experience, and 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 David Jeffrey has obviously had a history of doing that at, at the clubs he's been at. Talk to us about what it's like to be managed by David Jeffrey, and of course uh, Brian McLaughlin as number two. They really are idols of the Irish league, aren't they? Yeah, as you said, there they are definitely. Um, they come as a as a pattern wherever they've went, really. Um, and you know they're quite a notorious duo of the Irish League. You know, they're everyone knows what Davy's about and what what Bram brings. And um, you know, it's, to be honest, I like no shame in admitting that I was a Linfield fan when I was younger. Managed to go and see them when you know it was just customary to go and see Linfield win a trophy at the end of the season, whenever David was managing them. And uh, you know, I was I must have been a most of the cup finals when the one I think it was six doubles in seven years or whatever it was um, between that early 2000s period I was only five or six so it was you know to be to actually have grown up and be managed by them it's you know it's it's really almost a dream come true to be honest but you know it's it's brilliant and uh, the managerial side of it you know he brings he brings players on really well um, he obviously has that that knack of, of playing and or getting young players and making them into into good players. So mm-hmm. no, it's been it's been brilliant on their on their. Would you say he's a bit of a, a motivator more than anything else, or does he actually have a really grand eye for tactics? He's obviously very successful at Linfield, so I assume obviously he has that. But what I'm meaning by that question is that that motivation, that extra 5% to maybe win games that you maybe look on paper and say, oh, a draw would be acceptable, that makes massive differences, doesn't it? Yeah, I would say, you know, managers nowadays need a bit of both, to be honest. Um, Obviously, they need the tactical know-how, um, but also need, you know, especially in the modern era, I think, to have the, you know, the social skills and the, um, to 
be a people person almost and and have the skills to manage different players and stuff and and be a motivator in, in different ways to different players. And yeah. I think David obviously he, he has that in abundance. Um and obviously he has the tactical side of it because he's been involved in football yeah. all his life. So um no yeah, I would say he definitely has is both strings there's both anyway and does he still call you Joshua of all the names does he still call you Joshua Kelly like he does with uh, William <laughs> Joseph Burns <laughs> yeah. I love that I think that's brilliant he likes he likes the the full name but I get called uh, I'll tell you a funny story actually because I signed for Balamina originally on an amateur deal um, because there's like things you have to work out and here it's like compensation fee and all you have to pay that out if you're turning want to turn a player into a professional you know a professional contract where you're able to pay them so the first year is when you get expenses and stuff and um, whenever I signed the pro deal there this summer they had to pay out like a compensation fee to the few clubs that I was with previously Ards and Ridgeway so Ridgeway were the first to come call them I think pretty quickly and uh uh, David now calls me Ridgeway, so anytime I train him, he's he's just shouting Ridgeway. He calls me a fortune and stuff. So I, I don't I don't quite get Joshua all the time. <laughs> That's brilliant. He's someone else, isn't he? I really love him on the, the the TV coverage, and I think the fact that you got, have a manager there who can come on and on the live stream events, as you saw on the, on the BBC last year, and just give so much strong analysis at half time and full time, and even pre match. You know that must. As a as a as a person who plays the club, but also as a fan of the Irish league as a whole, really help you as a person gain more knowledge. Yeah, no, he is a good pundit. I think I think the BBC get on uh, all the good pundits. To be fair, you know they're really creating a good image of of the Irish league. You know, whenever they do co- cover the games and provide coverage on them. So obviously you have David involved, and that's massive probably for the BBC. So no, it's, it is good to, to watch games, you know, Friday night games or Saturday night games, um, just maybe try and get a bit more games on the BBC, you know, and so you would just drive to try and get as many games as you can. Obviously, they've done it last year, but even with the fans coming in this year, you still want, you know, to try and build the image, I'm sure BBC want to try and build the image to the, um, the Irish League and stuff, and Niffle want to try and do it, so, you know, to have the best people involved in that is, is definitely definitely a good thing you mentioned there about the the Friday and and Saturday games talk to me about that dynamic because a Friday night under the lights there's just that something a bit special isn't there not that I'm saying a Saturday 3 o'clock kickoff is it but a a night game even if it's like a half five on a Saturday or or the 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 quarter to eight games on a Friday night you know there's just an edge to it isn't there yeah when the floodlights are on it definitely makes it definitely makes it a wee bit better I think but you know, it's hard to beat your traditional Saturday three o'clock. You know, all the fans and all love it and stuff. But to be honest, I would love it to be a Friday night league, just because it gives you a chance to watch all the Premier League games on a Saturday. But now it's it's good to get the Saturday off the old time whenever you're playing on Friday night, and you know, whenever it's on TV and stuff, it gives it that extra edge and and things like that. But no, it is it is good. I agree with you under the lights. Is there a particular Premiership team that you support? Yes, Newcastle, unfortunately. Ah. What, 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 what enticed you to be a Newcastle sport grown up? Is it because uh, of Alan Shearer or, or, or just no, the no, general? Alan Shearer, obviously a massive 
<laughs> a massive idol, but unfortunately my dad brainwashed me into supporting <laughs> Newcastle. But yeah. I've been I've been to I've been to St James's outside it um, a couple of times. I've not actually been into St James's, but it's just such a terrific stadium, isn't it? And obviously mentioned Shearer, they're absolute legend of the club. But Newcastle fans, they they love their town. Eh, they love their city, I should say. Yeah. They love their team. And I always feel that Newcastle should be doing more than they actually are. They're they're one of these sleeping giants that really should yeah. be winning trophies. Know, to be honest, it's great. It's a great city. It is a great city. People talking about it, and uh, it's. I think it's that type of city in England where you know it's a one club city. Mm-hmm. You know there isn't two clubs that split. Yeah. Newcastle. Um, the whole city supports Newcastle, and as you said, you know the fan base is massive, fifty-five thousand seater stadium, um, and to be fighting relegation every year is not <laughs> what you want, to be honest. But you know, I don't think Newcastle ever progress until they get Mike Ashley out. What's your, what's your personal memories of Newcastle as a club? I mean, what games have you been to that you just think, went, what a great club? I, I used to go about two or three times a year, to be honest. My dad was part of a supporters club um, over in Northern Ireland, and he used to get tickets, you know, we used to go a few times. And I remember my first game when I was, must have been four or five, was against Portsmouth. <laughs> and Portsmouth were 4-0 up inside 20 minutes at St James's Park so it wasn't a happy first game anyway but I've been to a few games been to Newcastle Liverpool um, no sorry Newcastle Reading um, Obafemi Martin scored a hat-trick uh, can't really remember what other games I've been to but I've, I used to go over once or twice a season to see a game like um, haven't been over in about three years now just with playing for Ards and then playing for Balmain it's just almost and obviously Covid as well we'll have a fight yeah, as well obviously Covid there but it's yeah it's hard to get over yeah. but I would love to get back to be honest yeah no absolutely and and it's it's interesting you mentioned your dad there how much of an inspiration has he been in your journey so far Josh? yeah massive you know obviously got my dad's the main reason I got into football he used to play and stuff and um, ever since I can remember since I was four or five, I kicked the football, and um, that's obviously due, due to my dad. Like so, you know, it, it it helps you, you know, aspire to be a footballer and stuff like that. It gives you that dream, obviously, that everyone has when they're younger and kicking a ball about when they're five or six. So, mm-hmm. no, it's been obviously uh, that's been a big help. Talk to me about how you got into the actual uh, game because you, you, you were at a club before Ards. I couldn't quite catch the colour bear on in the chat, but that was really interesting to see how that sort of kick started your journey. Yeah, it was Ridgeway. Um, they're a boys' club just from just from outside Belfast, Dundonald, East Belfast, sort mm. of inside. Um, sort of, I think I was at primary school and one of my best mates played for them. Um, I hadn't joined the team yet. Uh, I think it was maybe P four, P five. You know, he just used to play in the in the uh, playground and stuff. And he just one of my best mates said to me, "You should come down train with us." Uh, and that was basically it. Just went down, trained, and then ended up staying at uh, the club Ridgeway for seven years until I was fifteen. Uh, eight years actually until I was fifteen. Mm. Joined Crusaders um, under 16s, stayed there for two and a half years, 
and then went to ours for two and a half years and I don't know so the question I wanted to ask from an early age for you is did you always see yourself as a central midfielder uh, yeah I haven't I've have not I think I played one I played right back for the milk cup team one year and that's the only time I've ever played outside of centre midfield so I don't think it's all I don't think it's the fact that I've always wanted to play centre midfield. Obviously, it was that's just the position that I, you know, got put in when I was six or seven or whatever, and then I've just always played there. Um, and sort of my game's been adapted to play centre midfield. So yeah, I, I see to be fair, when I was younger, never really, you know, when I, whenever you start getting older and your teenage years, I never really seen myself playing anywhere else other than centre midfield anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't played too many positions in the in the football pitch. That's very fair enough. And when you're playing very well in that area of the pitch, that does make it a, a bit of a difference. You know, you gotta yeah. get that kind of structure in the team, and that really does. Uh, you know, you know, kind of know your position, and I think that makes a difference uh, from that point. Yeah. Of view. You mentioned about the Milk Cup there. What was it like playing in one of the the kind of greatest and historical young people's tournaments, footballing tournaments in, in Northern Ireland? Yeah, it was really good. Um, I played three years in it for County Down played the junior section and then played a year young for the senior section and then played the senior section for my age group um, three years in a row it was so no it was it was you know to compete against full time teams and academies and from all over the world not just England you know African teams and South American teams and all over the continent all over the different continents and and see different styles of football and different players and how they play and you know test yourself against that is you know it's great for any young kid and the milk cup or the super cup week so to say now it's called um it's a great opportunity and i actually feel bad for the the two years that hasn't been able to go ahead you know mm-hmm. last summer and this summer you know the players that that are going to miss out on that that's a great shame because it is one of the best weeks you'll ever experience as a young footballer like um, yeah. it used to be it used so. to be live on the BBC Sport and I website because I used to always watch it all the time to yeah. see if I could see any young talents that are coming through from your own experiences of the younger talents that were playing at the time do you know of any of them who have gone on to have really good careers so far or is it still very early for them do you think I remember I'm sure you might know him actually um, Ram Porteous oh, of course from Hibs yes. he plays for Hibs we played County Down we played Hibs um, in the semi-final of the Milk Cup and they beat us 3-1 I think it was and Porteous was playing um, that day uh, yes. Can't, I actually remember going what, it was a couple of years actually before I actually played on it just to watch it and I don't know if you know him John Swift plays yes, for Reading that was for Reading yes um, he was playing for Chelsea at the time and Chelsea won the Milk Cup that year I think and he was he was a good player mm-hmm. I remember watching him at uh, Coleraine Showgrounds yeah I remember but, watching it one year and Ethan Galbraith was, was playing very well and of course a, a guy that you will maybe know about being in the Northern Ireland under 21 setup and looking to, to build into break into the, the main team and I thought he was an absolute class act I thought he was absolutely brilliant in the ball but 
you mentioned Porteous there. What did you make of him as a player? Because when I watch him all the time here in Scotland, I think he's got a good game, but I also think there is times where his concentration lets him down on a, on a, on a, on a not a regular basis, but in key moments in matches sometimes. He's still yeah. very young, granted, and I think he will get better, but there is, there, there is stuff he needs to work on, I think. Yeah, I, to be honest, I can't really remember him in the game. I just remember looking at the team sheet afterwards and seeing the names and then whenever he was playing for Hibs, you know, recognising him. But I can't really remember. He didn't really do much in the game or anything. Um, you didn't put him under enough watched. pressure. <laughs> no, he mustn't have done anything. He, he must have strolled it. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I remember, because I would watch quite a lot of Scottish games, you know, I would be a big Rangers fan as well. So I um, would watch any time, you know, any time Rangers on TV, I'll be watching them. Um, and uh, I can see what you mean, like, but... He, he seems quite rash, actually, to be honest. He doesn't seem to like any of the Rangers players, anyway. Well, I'm an Aberdeen fan, and there was a lot of question marks about whether we would get into to Aberdeen, and I was like, mm, I wouldn't be Don't touching him personally. But that's just my personal opinion. I'm sure he's a really good player, and hope he's not listed to this, because he might think that I'm taking a mick out of him. But, nah, it, it's interesting to hear that, that discussion there, and I thought that was quite good. But, but yeah... Obviously, obviously, I had that experience at, at that club at the time. You, you get that move to Ards. Your first major step into the, the, the footballing game, Josh. I mean, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was actually... Because uh, uh, I left Crusaders. Uh, we were in... I was only 18 at the time, but the way it worked, it went from like under-18s to under-20s at that stage. So I was in, which under twenties were like the reserve team. So I was in the reserve team, but wasn't really playing um, in the first half of the season. And it got to January, and still wasn't really playing. So I ended up just leaving to go to ours because I knew a few few of the coaching staff down there and stuff. And you know they sort of offered me to come down and train with the first team, but play reserve football um, until. You know, such times as you could break into the first team. So I managed to go down there, um, you know, just sort of bit the bullet sort of thing, and I went down, dropped. I would, obviously, ours would be down a level from Crusaders. Um, so I just took, took that plunge into there and thought, you know, hopefully try and work my way into the first team. Play At least I'll be playing games at reserve level, albeit for ours instead of Crusaders. Um, and you know, I'll be training with first team, that can only, first team players, you know, men, that can only make me better as an 18 year old, so that sort of transition was, it was good, it, looking back it was definitely the right move to make, but you know, some some people might not think, you know, they might not want to leave Crusaders or the, the likes of that to go and, and, and you know, take take that plunge into, into football, into, you know, a men's football, at a, at a, maybe a so-called lower league side um, but, and I was sort of like that at the stage but I'm, I'm so glad I'd done it at the time because our hearts were brilliant yeah. For the two years they were there and stuff. I was trying to wonder who the manager of ours was at the time. Would now Curry have left at that stage or would he have He, he just he just left. Mm-hmm. I think I was there maybe a month and he left and then Colin came in obviously for Colin Nixon. Mm-hmm. Colin Nixon came in for two years and then at the very end whenever Arch got relegated, unfortunately, um Warren Finney was obviously the manager. So I had a first share of of good managers anyway. Well, talk to me about Colin Nixon because a guy who's won 
a lot at Glentor and a bit of an Irish, another Irish league legend. What was he yeah. like to work alongside? Because obviously he's a, a real leader on the pitch for Glentor and, and you know, I think he was captain, wasn't he, for a period of time as well and just an absolute powerhouse. Yeah, he was brilliant. Brilliant to work under. Um, really, you know, really good crack off off the training pitch and off the, the match. You know, we really... I think he really knew how to get a team, uh, you know, build camaraderie within the team and team bonding and stuff. You know, uh, the bus trips and the things we would do um, as with ours, and we had a really good, you know, really good bond there between all the players. And uh, you know, obviously on the on the pitch and on the training field, it was as you'd expect. You know, demanding and you know. Um, we never leave any stone unturned. You know, training was always good and intense. Um, but he had he had a good mix of you know when to be when to be strict and and demand and when to be you know a bit of crack off the pitch. So Ard was brilliant. Cannot complain at all. I get the feeling he was maybe a a quite hard taskmaster when it come to training. Am I right with that? Yeah, I, I remember um, often I see him sometimes actually, and I see. One of his, uh, one of his first team coaches, Davy Bryson, sometimes, and I remember pre-season we used to go to Scrabble Tower and Stormont, and I don't know if you if you'll know them or anything, but no, I don't. basically they're um, hilly, so they are, <laughs> and they used to be a, used to be there's so Stormont the way it goes to Stormont it's a flat and then a big incline up until up to the Parliament or the the government building. And uh, there's lampposts all the way up the hill. Yeah. And he used to get us to start at the bottom and go to each lamppost and back during pre-season. I tell you, I've never done a worse pre-season in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. I, I, I'm just listening to that and hearing of some of my pals who are blaming about pre-season training here in the North East of Scotland. There you can hear it for yourself, folks. That is quite a hard uh, hard battle, I can tell you that for, for sure. Talk to me about some of the teammates that you played with at Ards, because... I get the feeling that Ards team back in the day had some really, really tidy players. Yeah, we, I think um, there was a couple of seasons in a row there we finished eighth, eighth or ninth. And you know, for Ards at that time would have been would have been you know no stadium, no probably lowest budget. Um, you know, probably one of the lower spectators, you know, income sort of thing. Um, so for them to finish, for ours at the time to finish uh, eighth or ninth and avoid relegation comfortably mm-hmm. was you know, a massive achievement and uh, great credit to Colin and, uh, for what he'd done to, to keep them up. Obviously, it didn't go too well at the end with us getting relegated, but no, we're good, definitely a good team, you know, Aaron Hogg was a Nets here, being a Glen Thorne and stuff, you know, experience in the in the Irish League. Um, Michael McClellan obviously was at Linfield and Kyle Chariot played with Carrick and stuff and, you know, Th- Gareth Tomlins at Coleraine and a real good mix of experience and actually Callum Barrs who um, was at Linfield Swifts and then came to Ards, sort of done the same as me and he worked his way into the the team and was captain for a while and stuff so it was it was a bit like the battle I mean it changed him a real good uh, mix of experience and youth and you know it paid off well Who was the biggest wind-up merchant in that dressing room of ours because you mentioned quite a few carters there I reckon uh, there was yeah. quite a few jokers in there, <laughs> there, there There's too many to pick from to be fair 
Um, actually, for other matches, Johnny Fraser. I was going to so that's why I asked that question. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he's one of the wind-up merchants. Uh, Michael McFarland was like that, but they would be the main two. But I spoke to Johnny for my for my show in the in the previous series. If you've not listened to that, please go back and listen to that. I thought yeah. Johnny comes across as one of these guys that if he had that little bit more luck, I think he would have gone on to have an even better career than he has at the moment because he's been to a, a range of clubs, has had good moments, but it's because of injuries or because of things like yeah. coronavirus and that that momentum he had was lost. And I really feel so sorry for him because you know he's getting his move to Crusaders now, and this is maybe one question I want to ask yourself on that. I think maybe that might be a good club for him in terms of kind of trying to move on and progress in his career, perhaps. Yeah, I think Johnny's actually been quite unfortunate with injuries and stuff. Um, I remember when he was at Orange, um, bit of trouble with hamstring and stuff. You know, maybe that's just because of how you know how how he plays his game and how quick he is and stuff. Maybe it's it, it's prone to you know pulling his hamstring being that quick, but. Um, no, Johnny's been, you know, he's been all around the top clubs, the Irish League, so, you know, plenty of experience and he's still young and um, hopefully he can do, go on and do well at Crusaders because he's top man and stuff. So I think, as you said, I think um, it could be a good club for him, you know, with the, the gym and stuff and the training facilities that they've got now and, you know, going full, full time. I'm not sure whether Johnny's full time or not, but, you know, that extra training might help. Um, you know, progress even, he could progress even further, so, yeah. Hope, hope yeah. Last question I wanted to ask you on Ards, uh, one was to mention about Warren Feeney there, and obviously he's now going to to manage, I think it's the Belarusian League, isn't he? It was, it was in there, you know. Yeah. What, what have you made of him and his journey as a manager? Because, you know, I, I get the impression that Warren's a very fiery character, but he's a winner, and I think that's what people need to understand about him sometimes. Yeah. No, to be fair, Warren's some crack too, to be fair. Him and Lee were a good duo at Arts, but um, and they managed to get us out of you know from the bottom of the league just into the the playoff position. But obviously we fell short of the final hurdle. But you know you can see he's obviously had a career over in England and brings a wealth of knowledge um, to whatever managerial role he, he goes into. Obviously done. Um, well, people might say he didn't do well then, because I don't think he won anything, but. You know, whenever he left, I think he's quick to point out that Linfield were top of the league at, at the time he left and managed to go to uh, Newport. Um, so he done well there, and then obviously for Newport, he full time experience, and then maybe a time out of the game came to Ards, and now he's obviously in the Bulgarian league, and I think actually seen the the team he's managing got promoted mm-hmm. into the top division. So obviously it's no surprise because the the, the knowledge and and the experience that he brings to the role. Yeah, I, I get the impression I said Belarus there, and I got my bees mixed up, so I'll have to edit that bit out. <laughs> bit of a blunder there. No, I'm usually, and you know the worst thing about it is I've got a, the worst thing about it is Josh, I've got a Bachelor of Science in Geography, so I should have known that, oh dear. No, this is a, this is a, I'll, I'll have to edit that bit out. Uh, one of the things that's interested me, obviously, now at Balamina, we talked earlier on at the top of the show, Josh, about your time uh, at the club and obviously you mentioned about Europe as well getting the opportunity to play Europa League football no matter what it is whether it's qualification rounds or what you know that that must be a, a really good level to sort of see where you're at in your game yeah um, to be fair at that stage 
whenever I joined Balmain, it was not that it took it for granted that we were playing in Europe, but it was almost like it was that new of an experience because you know, ours obviously weren't in Europe running and I never played in Europe, but it was that it was that new of an experience that I didn't really take it all in, sort of thing. So looking back on it now, you know, if or if I ever get the chance again to play in Europe, um, you know, I'll try and embrace every moment of it because you know, obviously we managed to beat Runovic, who were probably a similar enough level to us. Um, and then to get the chance to play Malmo, you know, in front of fifteen thousand fans in Sweden, um, and then come home and play them in front of you know full house of Balmina, that level, that level of player and stuff. And I think Malmo actually got the year before got to the quarter final and got put out by Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's the type of teams you almost want to draw. Yes, because yeah. you, you want to play a massive, a massive club, and you know the likes of who was Shamrock Rovers played AC Milan last year, and you know it's just a massive draw to to say you've participated in a game against Malmo or, or a game against whatever big club it might be in the future. You know that's that's the draw of Europe, and obviously the money side of it and stuff. And the Northern Irish yeah. clubs have really done well in Europe over the last couple of seasons, haven't they? I mean, Linfield have obviously had a, a had that run to the playoff round, narrowly losing to Carabag. You'd Coleraine beating Maribor and just missing out on that uh, penalty shootout against Motherwell. You know, Glen Torn have had a good run. Larn are going to have their chance as well. There's a few other clubs that are making progress. It all builds up the profile of the Northern Irish League, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And, you know, even Linfield and Coleraine playing... Carbag and, and Maribor, like they're you know well known clubs across. Maribor are the scourge of Scottish football. You know Maribor always seem to do everything against the Scottish clubs, including I Aberdeen. Know. And let's not go I, there because I still right. maintain that we should have had a goal up there before it was a penalty. But never mind. <laughs> Maribor, Maribor put Celtic out, didn't they? They did. Uh, happy days. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but no, but that that is the clubs that you want. They get you know. Obviously, the likes of Linfield and stuff might might aspire to get into the group stages, so they want a good draw the whole way through mm-hmm. to try and avoid the big teams. But for me, like it would be, I would love to to play one of them big teams again. You know, just just to experience it all. And, um, you know, that's a it's a life, memory for lifetime, that sort of thing. As an outsider looking at this you, you, new UEFA Conference League that's been set up, does that give clubs like Balomina a bit of an opportunity to put themselves on the map and aspire to get into that competition? Yeah, definitely. I think any of the you know Northern Irish clubs um, should aspire to get into you know the group stages or, or whatever the way they're working on with that that Conference League because there's still going to be you know some big clubs. Uh, and that I think aren't Spurs in it this year mm-hmm. um, whoever finishes 7th in the Premier League will, will, will go into it so you know things like that um, if, if one of the clubs do manage to pull it off and, and get into the group stages it'll be you know brilliant to see because it'll put not only that club on the map but it'll put as you say Northern Irish football as a whole mm-hmm. on the map and that's that's only for the the benefit of everyone here. We we talked a lot about the domestic cups, um, you know, earlier on in the in the campaign, and obviously the league. Is there a frustration that Balomina have yet to to win a, a kind of cup 
in recent times under David Jeffrey. They were they were in the final, obviously losing to Glenn Soren, and then obviously this campaign, you know, lost out to the eventual champions Linfield in the in the semi-finals. Is that a slight frustration? Yeah, I think last year that more so than this year was an, a real sickener because we actually lost the County Antrim Shield in January to Cliftonville later on. So I remember that game uh, as well. That was a cruel way to lose. Yeah, yeah, two two ninetieth minute goals was a nightmare, but um, I managed to get subbed on the eightieth minute, one 0 and <laughs> <laughs> get beat two one. So it was all your fault then. <laughs> but, uh, I'm no, winded. I know, no, but just that, you know, losing that coupled with the Irish Cup final, the Irish Cup final was a real blow because, um, I think I don't know if you watched it or anything, but I think we were comfortably the better team. And just couldn't, just couldn't manage to get, you know, took it the extra time, one each, and just couldn't manage to, you know, they take our chances, and then Glen Torn were clinical whenever mm-hmm. they weren't front of goal, and they managed to win it. But you know, that was a sickener, and I think Balmain have got a few Irish Cup finals, mm-hmm. I think, in recent times, and, and lost them. Because the, 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 the Irish Cup semi-finals and final for the last couple of seasons have just been absolutely superb. Because I remember the first game back after the pandemic, you guys took on Cole Rain. It was oh, yeah, 1-1. Yeah. Kenny Kane, I think, scored in the 90th minute to take the game yeah. to, to extra time. And then that penalty shootout, you know, was quite extraordinary. I mean, yeah. I think Cole Rain missed every single one of their penalties, didn't they? I know. I think, I think Jim, did Jim go first and he missed? And then Stephen Lowry went and he missed? And... Owen Bradley and missed. Scored and yeah, Corey just kept missing. So no, it was that was that was. A Did you take one? I was trying to remember if you took one. No, no, because I didn't. I think I was sixth or seventh in the line, but didn't get that far because Corey kept missing. But <laughs> um, no, that obviously it's good to get into the final, but the ultimate aim is to win it. Mm-hmm. And even this year, you know, we can have no complaints. Lanfield, you know, played us off the park that night. Um, I think. They shown that they really wanted the double and, and stuff. So you know the two performances that they put in in the semi final final was good. Was you know top drawer and obviously Balmain. You know you play football for trophies and Balmain is no different, especially with David in charge. You know the amount of medals that he've had. The one thing that I think has been a major coup for Balomina this season, and I kind of have to mention this, is the fact that you guys have got Jackie Fullerton doing your commentary throughout the season. Have you had any yes. interactions with Jackie? Because he's a real legend of Northern Irish football. Yeah, I've done one interview after after the game. I think he takes a different player each game, so I've done one interview after the game with him. Um, but I, Jackie's brilliant, and it's actually it's brilliant to see him you know, doing the Balomina TV. Um, you know, it's great to have him there. He comes in the change room before the games and stuff. And you know, I think Balmain TV's really been been really good this year for you know for the fans that weren't able to come in and see it, obviously, because um, I think some of the other streams seemed some quite dodgy at times. So, uh, no, Jackie's been brilliant. Him and Jared Little do it most weeks, and I think from the reports. I've had Jared on the show. Has he been winding you up? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's some boy. I, I think he's absolutely fantastic, Jared. What, what about the new season, Josh? Because obviously we're, we're, we're not we're getting close to the start of a new campaign. What is the aspirations for Balomina this season? Is to try and get into that top six, I imagine. I would say so. Yeah. Um, if I was to guess what the aspirations would be, that would be the guess. You know, obviously building last season um, and try and break that top six. You know, we were close to it last year, um, so. 
hopefully go one better and do it this year because you know you have to keep on while all all the other you know sort of top teams are going full time or or implementing full time or maybe you know maybe a couple of years into the full time football you have to find ways to compete with that because Balmina you know and other clubs Glenavon Coleraine and stuff can't sometimes just can't don't have the facilities and and means to go full time so you have to find other ways to to keep up with you know the likes of Linfield and Lauren and stuff um, so hopefully to get in that top six and have a chance of qualifying for Europe will obviously stand the club in good stead money wise and, and that you know only benefits players and facilities for years to come when, when you said about the, the part-time, full-time thing, I was immediately thinking of that rant that DJ had. He says, what are we going to do? Just accept it. And I thought he was absolutely bang on the money with every word he said that day. Yeah, well, that was, that was a good interview. I think it was doing the rounds on Twitter for a while. Wasn't yeah, it? I retweeted um, it and shared it because I said that maybe Aberdeen should have taken some notice about that. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, if that was applied in, in other circles, it would get about 150,000 likes and retweets, you know? Yeah, no, I think he's, he was true. Like, he, because he was on with um, he was on with um, Mike McDermott, I think. Yes, I'm sure there's a bit of tension between that one. <laughs> that no, no, he is bang on. You don't just sit and accept that. Oh, they're full time, so they're guaranteed to do this, and we're not full time, mm. so we're not guaranteed to do. It. But well, you only have to look at Leicester and what they did in 2016 when they won the yeah, Premier League. Even Korean, you know, look cool. at them; they finished. I think they finished second this year. They did, yeah. Above Glen Thorne, Lauren, you know, Crusaders, full-time teams. So you know, it's not it's not as if full-time to be all and end all. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, Corian have proved it. Um, Balmina finished second a couple of years ago. So you know, it's it's not it's not out of the water by any stretch of the imagination. A couple of short questions to wrap up, Josh, because I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Who's your hardest opponent you come up against on a football pitch? Uh, I think this might be a, if you ask any centre midfielder, it might be this one. Jamie Mulgrew's probably um, the hardest opponent. I would say he's probably he is the maestro, you know, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's been you know for the last however many 12, 10, 12 years. You know he's been the the outstanding player basically every season for Linfield and. What is it that makes him? What is it that makes him so good? Is it just his leadership, his composure? What would yeah, you put it down I think, to? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. You know, uh, obviously his football ability, technically very good, um, but his leadership is know how um, how to manage a game and how to. You know, I remember actually in the semi final, Linford were putting us under a bit of pressure, and you know, just wee things. You know, he will get his you know 10 other players really fired up so you know they can take advantage of of that pressure and things like that and you know that obviously comes with the experience that he's had um and, and how to manage be a captain and um and manage the players yeah so uh, it, it definitely probably would be jamie mulgrew do you have a favorite goal that you've scored whether it be with arts or with balamina <laughs> i've only scored about three but yeah. <laughs> um, the That's what you need to do. You need to be like Lampard. You need to get into the box no, and no, get a few no. more goals from the field, man. man. Exactly. Um, I get a nosebleed when I go into the box. Uh, <laughs> uh, probably the one against Crusaders. Um, I think it was last last December. It was at Seaview. That was a good goal because we went on a 
won a bit of a, of a bad run then I was on the bench came on I think it was about the 88th minute or so and the ball came to the edge of the box and it went put a top corner somehow um, but that you know a feeling of scoring a goal is brilliant but a good goal is even better so that's probably the best goal to score yeah, we mentioned a few places of course in the Irish League where in your mind is the toughest place to go and get a result in the league toughest um, Windsor's the obvious choice isn't it but you know I think every player will agree with me Windsor's also the best place to go and play because the facilities and you know, and you know you have to play well because you know that Linfield are going to play well and if you don't yeah. play well you could be end up on the end of a hiding if you're not yeah, no, I, I love going to play Linfield at Windsor Park because so, the pitch is so big the, you know, the, the surface is normally brilliant but I would probably say other than Windsor going to Korean showgrounds is always tough you know the, um, it's always you know the atmosphere is always good uh, obviously against Balmain it's a derby you know as long as you're not set off of course <laughs> yeah well, that's true that's true I know the pitch is always I don't want to say bad but it's always you know makes it a battle well they've put, they're putting down a, a 4G I think aren't they this 4G, next yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. could make yeah. things very interesting a different change in dynamics yeah I know it could that could uh I could definitely make it, it'll make it better anyway. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Coleraine actually there, Josh, because I wanted to ask you about the derbies, because everybody knows that Palomino and Coleraine as a derby is very full on and there's no quarters given, is there? Yeah, it's feisty, it is feisty. I remember playing, obviously this year, there's not, it's not been in front of fans, but the first one that I experienced was um, a Boxing Day game. Coleraine won 2 0, like, but uh, even. Walking out, you know, Balmain away end was full, Coleraine home end was full. That that atmosphere, you know, it's feisty. Um, they definitely do not like each other. Uh, no, but it's good to play in them games mm-hmm. and experience it. Yeah. Last question to you, last question to you, Josh. I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat. You're yeah. still very young, and and I think you've got massive potential to progress into one of the the most exciting Irish league midfielders. What what's your aspirations moving forward? Is it to try and maybe break into moving across to Scotland or England, or do you really want to make a kind of longevity in the game in Northern Ireland? No, well, I think a sort of a I don't know how to put this. Probably sort of like a distant goal would maybe be to get, to get across the water. Um, but I know that might not happen, so my fo- probably my more obvious goal would just to be, as you say, make it play as long as I can in the Irish League um, and win as many trophies as I can in the Irish League. Um, that would be my main goal. And then obviously, if in a, if some things do happen and maybe do start, you know, progressing, playing well, maybe. You know the England or Scotland thing isn't out of the question, but at the minute, you know, um, I would just want to some sort of cement a place in the Irish League and you know play as many games as I can and maybe come out. You know, the likes of aspire to be like the likes of Jim Irvin or Tony Kane and play 300, 400 times in the Irish League. You know, that would be my sort of realistic goal. Mm-hmm. And and very very last question. We talked about this off here, but I thought I should ask it just now. Yeah. Is it coming home? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it this way: they're definitely going to get the final, whether the beat Hitler or Spain. Interest, or not, not a question. He fancies it. He fancies it. <laughs> I do. I think, and I think it'll be a good final. Sort of want England to get there because 
England, Spain or England Italy final will be It'll be good to see. Yeah, well, I have Italy in a sweepstakes. I hope the Italians win. But I hope it's a good game. Uh, and I, yeah. hope, I think England will never get a better chance to, to, to win a European Championships. But we'll just have to see how they get on. It's certainly going to be fascinating to see. And hopefully when you're listening to this, you may find out if England yeah. have indeed made the final. Josh, I want to wish you all the very best to yourself at Ballymena for the upcoming season. Your teammates, David and Brian and everybody at Ballymena as a whole, fans as well. Uh, and thanks very much for coming on the Campbell's Fools podcast to share your story so far with me all the very best no problem Grant thanks very much well listener that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered if you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple Spotify Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts you can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs search for me StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs. What a dangerous night.